In this episode, we welcome the multi-talented artist and designer Giovanni Leonardo Bassan. From his passion for art and sculpture to his unique approach to furniture and wine, Giovanni's creative journey will leave you inspired. Join us as we delve into his artistic world. It's time to dive in. Giovanni, how are you? Ciao. Uh, I'm very good, thank you. Um, it's a sunny day in Paris, so no complaining on this side. Um, all is good. What about yourself? You know what? I don't know if you're going to remember this, but we met in January at the, the CDA Awards. You, you were yeah. there with uh, Michelle. Yeah. Yes. It was a little chaotic, so we didn't get the chance to really talk or hang out, but we'll, Michelle, we can do that next time I'm in town. No, it, it was great. It was like, I love the events. I love the way, you know, you guys set up. The crowd was amazing. Like, it was like, pop. Oh, thank you. It's definitely something special there. We're already working for the next one. But, uh, hey, I was excited when you agreed to join us today because you have these three worlds that you navigated between. You have the wine world, the art world, and the furniture design world as well. So can you kind of kind of tell us a little bit about that? I mean, how what, 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 what came first? What was the first thing that you got yourself involved in? Um, art definitely came first, yeah. I feel I've been painting and doing sculpture as far as I can remember. You know, like I have memory when I was a kid, just like painting my days away and just like drawing constantly. Um, so this is definitely like the my ground zero, my beginning of everything. And then both the art and the wine, they actually develop for, from this side. Um, the furniture comes, actually both, they come from my parents' background. So my mom's side, since for a generation, they work on furniture, on design or table and chairs. Uh, my grandfather was a furniture designer. So I developed, um, I studied interior architecture in Milano and I diplomat in industrial design. So really this research of interior, the language of like furniture, it really is kind of part of my DNA. And so when 11 years ago, I met Michelle, then we started working together on the furniture and it's been like a love story since then. She's been a mentor, she's been a second mother, she's been a friend, she's been a boss, <laughs> like I love her. and. It's me and her really running the furniture, so it's, it's amazing. And she's a constant source of inspiration for me on from the human side to the professional. And then the wine spectrum on my dad's side, um, since as well, like a few generations, we have this family business where we distribute wines and beverage in general. But we never really produce. And then was one of my brother then started his own personal project, started his own beer company. And then I say, okay, I'm in this network of incredible people, super talented architects, artists, museum creators. And was I, like, what can I also bring um, as a product, you know, to kind of find like interesting way to develop something personally. And I started with wine. I always loved the wine. Um, my younger brother actually became a very good sommelier at a very young age. And then I start myself as well, entering the world of wine. And I started this company five years ago. And it's a very mm -hmm. artistic approach of wine. So we do wine that are limited edition. We do collaboration from the Benal of Venice, from the Barbican in London, the Museum of Modern Art in Paris. Michelle was obviously uh, a nice supporter from day one. And even the, the name, the name of this wine is called Katkut, 
which mm-hmm. is, I mean, in Arabic means like, you know, literally it means little bird, but you define something cute and unique with Katkut. And she used to call me Katkut. And so I was like, okay, I <laughs> appropriate this like nickname and I make it this, in this wine project. What, what has been some of the biggest challenges? I mean, really entering into the, the wine spirit world, I mean, art and design has a very organic way things to happen. You know, it's very much about exposing yourself, being in the right circle, networking, get involved, get exhibitions, producing, that sort of thing. Yeah. Now, wine is, there's so much competition, there's so much going on. How, how has been that experience for you? So it's, it's such interesting because I was just chatting with another journalist recently about this, this process. And I feel all these different universe, um, they're all obviously connected. I feel more and more nowadays, you know, between the food and beverage, luxury world, to contemporary art, to music, to performance, to spaces. There is all this like marriage of like this amazing discipline. And I feel like the secret i mean the way then at least i see it it's just i like, try to find the really authenticity what you do and really be unique in your own product so the strong part of our wine is also the design on top of the excellence of the wine itself but the design of the bottle and is where we present to people the first reaction is like oh wow i never see something like that and we're talking about like top people like in, in the world like great sommelier like top you know retail stores, Galerie Lafayette or Selfridges. And it's nice how these people, you know, being so saturated in the market, just try to find something unique, you know, be your own voice. Don't just study the market, try to adapt to something that you see, but like create something then, you know, you think maybe it's missing. It's fascinating, right? Because more often than none, when we start a new business, we want to follow footsteps of someone who did something great already. Kind of, you kind of mirror your business towards someone else. But the more and more you talk to those that made it to the top is, is the opposite. It's not about copying or trying to follow someone's footsteps. It's really trading your own path. And I guess he translated the same for contemporary art. Being, you know, when I was younger, like really at the stage of emerging artists, if your voice is similar to a trend or if just something is being seen around, I guess it's harder for your work to speak for themselves, you know, like I guess curator or gallery is always looking for like young, new voices, let's say. Um, and so, yeah, my suggestion would just be try to be yourself, like dig more on yourself. What is your passion? What do you think, you know, is, is your voice, what you think is new? more than just obviously you need to have a knowledge of the market like i was lucky enough then joining also the perspective of recovance furniture like i've been participating in the art fair and the art world market for 12 years so i kind of understand the formula the methods all the commercial part and then maybe help me a little bit within my own practice but it's not necessary. I, I feel a lot of amazing artists, they have zero sensibility or understanding of the commercial at the first stage. And, and it's good like that. You know, it's also the team building. You need to build yourself a good team around you. Um, in case you are an artist, find a gallery to believe in yourself. If you're talking about like a wine project, like find, you know, people within your team, then it's like they're strong in their own, like, you know, knowledge, man. And, yeah, I think these things help a lot. 
What part of the commercial aspect that you feel that has been helpful for you through the last 10 years in terms of developing new collections in the furniture side? On the furniture side, the furniture side is interesting because I feel like, again, it comes from such an authentic vision of Rick Michel. Um, Rick Michel is a powered world. Like they, they obviously were known like for their amazing aesthetics and you know their own like vision of interiors. Um, and the amazing part is like all their collection come from in a first place of designing something for their own space. And and I feel this is with you know on on the collection people understand and is I think and is part of like their own homes their their own environment their own bubble their own research and you know reference so uh, it, it's difficult because it's not a new collection then it's coming out it's more like something then slowly is evolving by such a strong identity and I feel this is definitely like a key point for for them to be successfully on a commercial point of view as well. Um, yeah, for the wine, I mean, the power of media is important, clearly, like network and, you know, place the product in the right spot. If you are an artist working with the right gallery, if you are a wine, have the right people drinking your wine. Um, so, yeah, I think power of community um, is, is really important. So, and then you find yourself working, collaborating with iconic people like Michelle, Rick, and all those folks as well that you've been involved with. Um, how do you, at what point, remember, I guess my question is, at what point did you feel like confident enough to have a voice and express your feedback while those conversations are happening? Because it's a very interesting dynamic, as you mentioned, you know, they have accomplished so much. They're on the top of the world when it comes to their domain. And then here you are with your own vision and your own perspective, and you want to express it. But how do you put that together? And how you, you know, at what point do you feel like, all right, I think I have a very interesting point of view here and I want to share with the world? Yeah, I think this one takes time. Yeah, I feel also I'm, I'm, I'm humble on, on the respect of obviously the, the artist, the art itself, because also my own practice um, before calling myself an artist, it took a while. Just because I feel like I respect art so much. And I grew up with an Italian background, you know, these amazing masters, you know, this beautiful museum and church, you're like surrounded by art. And then it is scary, especially in a young age, you know, like where everybody maybe see you too young to have a voice. But I feel like, you know, within the right time, I feel, um, it's important to practice, you know, to really learn, to give yourself time to study either in an institution. I, I'm a strong believer of like good university and stuff, but also of part of life. Like you could, you know, be a mentor of an amazing figure. Um, but I feel the respect and the time eventually will bring to a voice for yourself. So it, it took it took years. I'm I'm not I'm not I'm, I'm not hiding that part. You know, there was long time of like really being like on on the back line. But I feel like the action proves more than words. So if you prove it with the action, then like slowly your understanding is is correct. Your your work is high enough. Then speak for you. Eventually, you're gonna have a microphone in front of you. So. Yeah, so here we are. You we talk are. about two. <laughs> you mentioned about two things that I want to bring it up as well. You talk about uh, institution, the schools and the universities, and also talk about mentorship. 
Do you think nowadays, because, you know, because of social media, you can find artists all over the world. Are those two things crucial to be, you have to have those two things to be considered a serious artist. You have to be part, or at least studied at some capacity in a real respect institution. And you have to be around mentors that can help you to really kind of craft that, that vision. Is, is, is a tough question. Um, I want to bring respect to institution because I come, I studied at Politecnico in Milano. Um, it was an excellent school, like very hard to get in. And, and I had an amazing mentor, which was Michelle Lamy for many years, but is not necessary. But it's is a double side story, obviously, it's everything. Like, I feel media and the power of, like, social media, especially Instagram, I mean, especially for artists, is, is an incredible platform. I have a lot of friends and curators that work only on Instagram. They pick young artists from different backgrounds, from, you know, the world is open to us. It's on our mm -hmm. portal, it's in our hand. So you can find amazing artists from the other side of the world, and, and it's incredible. The power is strong. Though it's hard, because then the market becomes very saturated, and how you define talent. So is 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 a sharp tool, then I feel it can be helpful, but at the same time could also be like your your trap. So institution helps create, but it's not the only way. There is, I mean, amazing talents then they comes from like you know self-taught or um from like no school background um mm -hmm. so yeah i feel it definitely helps but what is your process i mean let's say you you, you recently just had an exhibition um uh, it was very well received and everything else can you kind of walk us back about the time in place that you decided to move forward with the project and how the process came about yeah, you always start from people, to be honest. All the big projects did from mostly all the artistic projects, from painting to sculpture, they always start with a spark of a relation between me and, and a person, eventually a gallerist or a creator or, you know, an institution. But for me, it's necessary always to have this human connection and the saying of like us sitting down, meeting, speaking, sharing like idea and vision for me is, is the key of the process. It's always the first step is always I need a personal connection. At least this is for me. Maybe it's not for everybody, but um, for me, it's, it's very necessary. And yeah, networking is important. I was able to obviously maybe side project to start to participate to a lot of art fair and be in a lot of big dinners and stuff. And for us, like uh, the meeting is the dinner, obviously, you know, like it's important yeah. to be to be around is is helpful. And so I met my first gallerist in this way. Um, she an Iranian woman based in Dubai. Um, and then even with my last project, which is in Lugano, in Serene Gallery, um, I met the director in, in an art situation. It was like Art Basel. It was a, a big dinner. We were still like chatting and talking about project. Later on, he came to my studio. And from there, like we started like talking about project. And, and this great show came together. And we're very excited because it went well and everybody's happy. But yeah, I still need a human connection. I, I think it would be hard for me to do conversation 
purely like through emails or if people don't come to my studio, which is intimate, but it's also important to to share my, my vision, my, my language of um, of communication of my pieces. I think sometimes people don't realize like uh, an exhibition like that, it takes so much of you, not only time, but also of your soul, of your self uh, discovering, you know, where you are with your life and things like that. How, how many of those can you do in a year? Do you, are you someone who have a cap? I can only do one or two a year, or I want to do three next year. Or it kind of depends, depends on how you feel and how your life going, 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 you know, what's going on with your life. Yeah, I have to say that I'm, I'm very hyperactive. I'm, I'm always working like and usually like I divide my day then during a daytime I'm within the furniture and the wine and at night I'm the art. The night is like time when I really keep myself like full to the art and lose the you know perception of time or days I sometimes spend like full night painting without realizing it. It really I really zoom out of the world and I really lock myself in the bubble but as you said, like especially on my own practice, is is very much documenting um, what I feel, the the life that I live, like the people that surround me. A lot of my inspiration really comes from from people, from different scenarios, from artists that inspire me, from activists, from um, kind of the current social political situation that is is around me. And I always like this very personal and authentic documentation of what I'm going through. So the final exhibition is also like closing the circle of creation of a project. So when I do something, like I always like think about the final exhibition. It's important. I I don't create works for the sake of selling or to enter in collection. I always like the idea to be within a public, to start a conversation. So depending the scale of the project, like I, 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 pr I produce a lot, but it also takes time obviously to create a story, to build together pieces. So I will say like each year is between like four and five, maybe big show and, and maybe some participation, you know, with a couple of pieces in, in group of collective show. One thing that you said earlier that I kind of highlighted for me was the fact that you said, I'm always working, I'm divide my, I, I divide my day by a certain specific time, what I need to work on. And I think that's an interesting thing because a lot of times you feel like you want to create when you feel inspired. And you're not inspired every day, but you still have to show up and you still have to work. Almost like oh, yeah. going to the gym, right? You, you go every day to get better, even though some days are not awesome. So tell me more about that because I think that's a very import yeah, important so thing people good. walk away. I know it's so true and I hate it sometimes because I, I, I'm there, I'm ready, I have like all night and I want to paint and then just not the day. You can, but it's, it's important, as you say, to show yourself. It's important to have the, also the constants uh, of like growing, of the willing of like investing time. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's funny how like sometimes like, you know, you're distracted, sometimes it's like, Maybe you're feeling like too strong, you're overwhelmed, or your vision is like blurry, and you paint, and then you kind of get lost, and maybe you spend like a full week painting, and then nothing really come out, and then there is the time. The time is right, and within like ten minutes, you know, you're like ah, done, like you finish pieces. I also, I love this idea of like upcycle, recycle, or within my own 
pieces. So a lot of my technique is um, I play a lot with layers. I take a painting and I repaint it on top, repaint it on top. Um, it comes from like a, I mean, a long like parkour that I was doing of in the past of like different pieces, and then I felt like insecure, and then I restart working. Um, but nowadays, I really think is a signature of my style this idea of repainting on top. So yeah, like the process of like painting every night is necessarily because maybe you see a small painting, but it's ten painting within one, you know, because maybe every painting on top of this one like many, many times. So yeah, the process is long sometimes for me. As as fast as I I'm like I'm a fast painter, I, I work a lot, but still, yeah, it's time consuming. But it's also a passion for me. It's the moment where like probably because I do at night, mm-hmm. but I become a passion and a necessity in a way. I, I, I need to lock myself in the studio. I need to spend time there. Um, it kind of like filter. It's almost like a therapeutic for me. And also, as an artist, you also have another aspect that you need to deal with as the business aspect of what you're doing as well. As you mentioned earlier, being part of those conversations, networking, being dinners and understand the business do you feel in 2023 the art business is uh, more favorable for upcoming artists? Because for many years it was very you know, considered a closed world, right? Just an yeah. insider kind of world. Uh, looking now, and I'm sure you're around, you know a lot of the artists, you're part of the community in France, in Paris, and in Europe as well. When you talk to your peers and you talk to other artists, everybody feel like, is that an inclusiveness? Is there uh, open dialogue or still very much kind of, there are barriers for people to break through? No, they, there are barriers to break through for sure. I feel like he's he, within the artists, I feel like they're very open now. They, they're very inclusive within diversity. They really pay attention of like this subject. Um, unfortunately, I still see there is so much work to do. Because as much as you bring maybe a certain openness within the artist spectrum, but then, you know, this openness need to come to also a different stage within the art world. So it need to come from collector's perspective to curator perspective to like institution to museum. So if you have like open, you know, let's say a bigger windows from young artists, emerging artists to be able to show their incredible works, um, it cannot only be showing all the institutions. You need to like, you know, make sure that like all the system get refreshed and get like open for this possibility. So it's going definitely in the right direction. I mean, since 10 years, the evolution we had is, is crazy. And in the past years, it's like picking up still higher, but it's, it's still not enough for me. I, I still see the need like more. Um, but I want to be positive and I hope that, you know, with this nice growing understanding of the sensibility that we have now um, is hopefully, you know, really setting like uh, a nice kind of like good network for, for all the art machine to, to evolve in a better way. Um, but yeah, you know, I feel it's, it's open. Yeah. If you were, to, if you were, if you have to pick one thing that can really transform that business, what would it be? Mm, one thing that will transform the business. Um, I 
I will say probably, yeah, just the open, the inclusivity and diversity, not only as a artist perspective, but within institution, collectors and curator perspective as well. I think this like would be a huge change in, in the structure for even for the future then, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do want to uh, ask you because uh, Michelle has been such a big part of your life in the last few years and such an influence and mentor, as you mentioned as well. It seems like you are definitely part of the family. There is definitely a special connection there. Uh, how did you meet her? What's the story behind it? <laughs> It's actually a funny story. Um, so I... I was modeling a little bit when I was studying, especially the early years of my college. And I received a call from this amazing photographer, a very talented artist like Matthew Stone. Um, then there was this shooting they were doing in Paris and they wanted to cast me for, you know, this nice shooting where it was Michelle and Scarlett, the daughter. And the work of Matthew Stone is actually a work where there is a lot of like naked bodies. Um, you don't see necessary things. You see like a lot of like masses in, in skin. Mm -hmm. um, we shoot previously a few times and the works were like incredible. So I was obviously excited. I was like, of course, like, I mean, I, I love like Michelle. So it would be a pleasure to come to Paris. And then I remember I arrived there and there is like nobody. And I'm like, okay, where are all the other person? You told me they're going to be a lot of people. I was like, oh no, we changed plans. Now it's going to be only you and Michelle and their daughter. And I'm like, okay, but <laughs> that's slightly different. <laughs> and I was like, but maybe, no worry, maybe we're not going to use you. You know, we're going to sit with her and maybe we're going to use you as a, like an accessories at one point. And I remember like Michelle entering the room. The first thing she said, she was like, okay, where is the naked boy? And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, okay, so here we go. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm confident with my body. I'm, I'm happy with just the person I am. So um, I met Michelle when I was basically full naked. And we had this shooting, which was incredible. Like I, I had long hair at the time. So they braid my hair with her. And she was wearing like all this crazy jewelry like on, on my back. And um, it was very special. But then it's like the story continues. Um, six months later, I was in Paris again for, um, I mean, feel free to cut all the part that you want to cut. Nah, this is the best part. I want to hear all about it. This is a storytelling driven <laughs> podcast. We want to hear all the juicy stuff. Um, <laughs> so I was in Paris six months later. We were shooting um, a special uh, issue for Days and Confused with Ricardo Tisci with all the archive of Givenchy at the time. And the shooting was incredible, fantastic. And then I was going to London for another shooting. And I had a little problem with the police. Um, they didn't let me take the plane, the, the train at the time, actually. They brought me to the police station. They took all my documents away. And my family didn't know I was in Paris because they hated that I was modeling. So nobody knew I was there. I didn't speak the language. I was like very young, you know, with like little money in my pocket. And then I received a call from the photographer and told me, well, can you go to Michelle's house? At least I know you're safe. And then I'm going to figure out a way for you to, to go back to Italy. And I was like, I'm not going back to Michelle. I met her once while I was naked six months ago. So I'm not going to go to knock to her door. 
And it's like, oh, shut up. I already talked to her. She's coming to pick you up now. And I'm like, oh, my God. So she came to the police station. She gave me a credit card. She was just like, oh, just buy a ticket to go back to Italy. And in my mind, I was thinking, why, why you do that? You don't even know me, you know? And she was mm-hmm. like, from minute one, she was incredible. And then she said, listen, we have a guest house in our place. Just come to our house. We have a big dinner tonight. You're going to stay with us. And then tomorrow you leave. And then I had an incredible night with them. And then I went back to Italy. And I was broke as fuck at the time. So I make a painting. I send it to her. And I send a letter just to thank her and, you know, to try to explain my, my side. And then she told me, well, I'm always looking for young, creative soul. So as soon as you finish your college, you have to come to Paris. And so we did. Wow. You were a refugee at her house. Exactly. I was like <laughs> from a naked shooting to a police station to working with her. So no, it was incredible. Isn't that wonderful just how life sometimes works out? Things that you could never imagine in a wild dream in like such an odd situation. And that's how this whole thing started. I know. I love it. I love this story. And it really reflects so much actually the nature of us. It was like so spontaneous from the beginning. And I don't know, just a sensibility of uh, understanding like an artistic soul, even if it's rough or not. And then, yeah, just, you know, building up a relation and I don't know, I, I, I really value a lot of this. So. so now after so many years, what are some of the main things that you learned from her? Definitely like the way of, you know, dealing and talking with people, like, especially in the early stage, she was really like mentoring me like, okay, so she is, is pretty amazing. The way then she teach you bringing you at her level and this is special there is always two way of you know teaching to 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 people there is either like with discipline like you know giving little and giving a lot of like you know lesson and stuff or bringing them next to you and just showing your lifestyle and through that spectrum the person absorb knowledge and you know information and she did like that. I remember then when I started working with her within a few months, I started traveling with her. She brought me to dinner where there were all these architects. Then I was studying school a few months earlier and then I was sitting at dinner with them. And yeah, it's, it's a different way to learn, but like it's, it's nice the way then, you know, she learned like showing you like her words. And, and this was... It's, it, it was very nice. So I learned a lot of like, especially communication with people and, you know, dealing with the market and understanding people. And these are like great lessons. You said earlier that your parents weren't very happy they were modeling back in the day. Um, <laughs> what are they at right now in terms of your career when they're, they're proud of you? They're happy, they're excited, they're supportive. What's yeah, going on there? Yeah, they're very, very proud now. They're very excited. They actually came to my last show in Lugano, which is like about like you know four hours drive from our from our hometown, and it's the first time they both seen a, a proper opening of my works. I think my mom came to some opening in Paris, but never my dad. 
So for them to actually see like a, a vernissage, you know, opening when you are there and people are there to celebrate you and, you know, to just listen to your voice, it, it was special. I, I really felt like they were proud and I, I, I liked the way then they were looking at experience at this moment because it makes me feel like just generally like happy. For sure, those special little moments that you're going to treasure forever. So normally, uh, people are going to ask questions such as, oh, what's the best advice you ever got or things like that. But I want to do a little spin over here. I want to hear if what was the worst advice you ever got. Someone came to this, say, no, you should do this. And you go like, what the fuck? <laughs> what's, what are you saying? <laughs> Hey, do you have any one of those? Because yeah, I mean, I think I, we all do. I definitely have one of those. Yeah, um, I remember like in a very young stage of like my discipline. I'm talking within my own art. Um, I remember I was talking with this artist, which I have actually a lot of respect for what he does. But he was telling me like, oh, how important it was for me when I was creating a piece to thinking like about the person they will buy or how much it will sell. And this like fucked me up for years because it was like, I, I, it's really like the opposite for me. I never think about commercial stuff. I never think about if the piece can work or sell. Like, and if I do that, I will kill like the creative light inside, you know, and the genuinity of that. So yeah, I heard that I stayed in my mind for a little bit to say, but then I was like, no, like this is absolutely not what I should do. So, yeah, worst advice ever for sure. I know we live in a world that everybody must have an opinion these days, right? So we just have to know future what works for us and what doesn't. Uh, we come to a point of the, uh, our show that we ask the three main questions that we ask every episode, and I want to find out from you. We want recommendations. We want to uh, you recommend us a book to read, um, a movie or a TV show to watch. Okay. And who should we have here as a guest in the next episode? Oh, interesting. Um, okay, as a TV show, um, The Last of Us, I just finished it and I was obsessed. I love the way they were able to picture and talk about like queer love in different spectrum. It's just like um, a simplicity and a different point of characters then i found it like really fascinating so if you didn't see it get to watch it because it's amazing um book um i just finished um fagots and their friends during revolution and it's a book that is very inspiring is i heard friends that was talking about this book prior and it was on my list since uh, since a while to be honest but then I was in this bookshop and when I see the cover, it caught my attention with before I write the title. There is very nice drawing within like the books and I feel as an artist, I really connect with this one. And on top of that is a nice, you know, queer literature, like um, Capolavoro, where it really describes like in, in a funny way, this like, you know, homosexual world in, in New York which was like on the, on the seventies. Um, and as a person, um, as a person who you should have, um, 
I mean, did Michelle do this one? I mean, that would be the easiest one, but I don't know if she... Yeah. <laughs> no, we haven't had Michelle. Yeah, definitely be a good one for sure. Yeah, definitely like she's clearly like a, a very, you know, a very nice person to have. She have always, she's the best storyteller I know. So, you know, like it's, it's somehow hard to direct her, but, you know, the, when she starts telling the stories, I, it's, it's pure gold. Giovanni, I am so excited that I got the chance to talk to you because as I started reading a little bit more about, I mean, we met in Paris, it was very briefly, uh, it was chaotic, it was a lot going on during the CDA Awards, but uh, but then I look into a little bit where you're up to, the wine, the furniture, and I'm like, man, it's fascinating. I'm always interested with people who are curious, who are interested, they're really pushing themselves, they're uh, really open themselves up to the world with their own vision and creation. So I want to thank you so much for taking the time. But before you go, please let us know how we can find your work. How can we get in touch with you? How can we access the wine, everything here so we all can kind of continue to follow you in your, in your journey? Well, first, you really just want to thank you for inviting me in here. Uh, as you say, we met briefly by such a good feeling from the beginning with you and all your projects you guys are doing. So it was a pleasure for me to be here. Um, I guess the easiest is just like to Instagram, like my full name, Giovanni Leonardo Bassan. Um, and then within the, my profile, there is a link with my website where there is all the, the press, the past exhibition, like biography and all. And then there is also a link uh, of the wine project, which is called Catcut. And same from there, like, um, there is a link to the website within their page. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's easier. You can find everything on Instagram. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'll be back in Paris in the fall and we'll try to get together and do this in person again and catch up a little bit more. Thank you. So All much. right. Sounds good. Thank you. <laughs> Minded Podcast, powered by the CDA. New episodes every Tuesday.